Hello and welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. This week, moderator Scott Mance interviews director Andy Serkis for his new film, Breathe. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Scott Mance. What did you think of Breathe? You know, I love doing these Q&As, but I really love doing them with filmmakers that I really champion and, and really love. And please give it up for the busiest and the nicest person in Hollywood, the director of Breathe, Andy Circus. Well, you know, the first question is usually sort of a cliche, so I'm just going to bypass the how did this project come about, and I'm going to ask you, tell me about your relationship with Jonathan Cavendish and how it led to this. So Jonathan Cavendish, obviously, whose parents, Robin and Diane are, um, is my very, very close friend and business partner. And we set up a company together called the Imaginarium Studios, which which is a performance capture studio. So the technology that I'm sort of associated with and, and uh, want to further the art and craft of, linked to a production house, a production entity. So we, we make films and we're also, uh, we also have this physical studio where we build digital cameras characters um, for films, video games, uh, virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, all sorts of things. Um, and so when we were setting up this company, which was in 2011, um, we had all sorts of projects that we were setting up for me to direct, uh, one of which was Animal Farm, one of which was Jungle Book, which we're still working on. And um, and then one of the projects that Jonathan brought was was this story about his his parents called, called Breathe. And I read the script one night and I just... I was so blown away by it. it. It was the emotional content of the film, of the of the of the script, and it's just as on 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 paper, it was so powerful. And um, what I loved about it was it wasn't um, it had humour. It was humour, and it, yet it was about something, you know, about the, this terrible tragedy that befell this couple. Um, and yet the way that their response to it was 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 through this this exuberance, this lust for life, this 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 pioneering couple who were breaking and smashing the, the um, prejudices and sort of attitudes towards disability in the 1960s I just found I just found it so so moving so we started to work on it and then and then um, as I was telling you earlier uh, jungle book um, sort of started to come together so so we, we went we went out and we shot this whole movie of jungle book with with Kate Blanchett and Benedict Cumberbatch and um, with uh, Christian Bale and um, we went out to South Africa and we were on location and then during the post-production period because we were using performance capture technology to make Jungle Book um, there was this kind of hiatus period and so we very very quickly had the opportunity to work with the amazing Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy and, um, and we raised the money for this film in seven weeks uh, which is pretty unheard of for a, for a production like this, and and we shot it in seven weeks, <coughs> and so it, we we really had to just put our foot to the floor and just grab this little window of opportunity, and that's that's how it came about. So so basically, you shot, you did all the, the actual principal photography for Jungle Book. Yeah. And because there was so much post to work on. Yeah. 
you kind of had a little bit of a a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what do you do? So what do you do? You shoot another movie. Let's make another movie. Yeah, come on. <laughs> now, in in getting, well, I guess I guess in in working on something that's that's more straightforward, live action, seeing the results right away. Yeah. Versus, okay, you're gonna shoot with the performance capture and. You work on the post, so you don't see the results for quite some time. Absolutely. What was it like to just go watch a daily of something you just shot, and there it is? It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> you know, to, to work with these actors and to have these performances in the can every every day, um, it was just a marvel. Kind of, you know, truly being able to see to, to see that was 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 an alien concept to me. You know, <laughs> rather than having to wait a year and a half before you see the characters come to life. Uh, there were just these beautiful performances that are sort of evolving in front of me. So, so in working with Jonathan, I mean, because it's it's not only the it's based on a true story, and you're working with the the son of the parents in the film, but you know this guy's your producing partner, he's your friend. I mean, did that sort of make you feel more responsibility, a little more pressure, or did that just sort of make you feel more comfortable? You know the the amazing thing about Jonathan and and Diana, his mother as well, who obviously in, is in the film. You know, and she's still around. She's a very very close friend too. Um, they were both very unprecious about it. They they really trusted. Uh, they trusted me to make the film in the way that, you know, that I saw fit. And and what this film and the way we chose to make this film. You know, we could have made a very kind of miserable dark <laughs> documentary about the life of someone who became disabled and it was a you know terrible tragedy but that would have been a complete lie that wouldn't have been the truth because in actual fact these this couple as you've just witnessed and and it's true emotionally very truthful to how it was um, were full of uh, were, were had such a positive attitude once Robin had come out of his depression and and they'd chosen to live outside of hospital which was such a risk I mean to live two minutes away from death with the risk of that respirator breaking down fueled this intensity of of, of, of life you know fueled a kind of you know, a way of living which which was so that they, they were so living in the moment that that they were true pioneers of their time, and that's what really inspired me about the story. That these guys were the first of their of their of their kind. You know, the first of their that 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 no one with that disability had lived outside of hospital before, and it was such a huge risk. It was like saying when she says in the movie, you know. Um, how can I make life better for you? And he says, get me out of here. It's like saying, I want you to put me on the moon or, or yeah. I want you to put me on top of Mount Everest. No one had done it before. And that's that sense of pioneering really spoke to me. And uh, I mean, I, I also, Scott, you know, um, uh, the other thing is I have a very personal connection to the subject matter in this movie. My, my mother used to teach disabled kids. And um, my dad was a, a doctor. He, f he founded a hospital in Baghdad in Iraq. And my sister is um, uh, is wheelchair bound. She's a multiple sclerosis sufferer. So so uh, so so the subject matter was very 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 close to my heart. And you know I see my sister now in 2017. She's wheelchair bound, and and how you know still difficult in this day and age it is. And attitudes towards disability in the workplace and 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 just generally and 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 like I say, accessibility is is so much better now. But imagine what life must have been like in 1960 when 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 disabled people were kept out of sight and out of mind and not treated at all as as uh, as uh, you know part of healthy human society the, the, the scene with the plug yeah was it, like just everything you talked about just being two minutes away from death 
Yeah. That was that was his two minutes. And and the, all of the I mean that's true. That's and that all of the events in this movie are absolutely true. There's you know you often go and see a movie which says this is based on a true story and and, the, and people take huge liberties with that. But this film and 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 this is corroborated by by all of the family members. Uh, they said when they watched it um, and friends who knew Robin and Diana said this is how it was. Yeah. This is exactly how it was. This is there. Uh, you know they remembered specific events. A lot of the dialogue was verbatim. The doctor really did say, "If you leave here, you'll die within two weeks." You know, um, the, 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 you know, Rob, uh, Diana did say to her to Colin, "You know, we're not going to keep." Robin alive for the sake of his friends, and th th it's very, very accurate. And I think for for some people that you know, and the, the humour in it um, is again their their response to to this the tragedy that befell them. But I think you know some of the criticism we've had of the movie uh, has been oh, it couldn't possibly have been like that. These people must have been uh, you know they must have been much more pain and 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 you know the fact of the matter is. This was the truth. This was absolutely the truth. They had this outlook on life. And the emotion in the film is so, you know, it's maybe a British thing too, you know, the very suppressed emotion. That, you know, you don't talk about your emotions. Um, it's, it's not, it's not, doesn't sort of come to the surface. There's no scenes where they're kind of like, wow, you know, I'm having a terrible time. You know, it's just, that just wasn't the way these people existed. They, they existed with a sort of um, a wit and, and an exuberance and a sort of a, a really uh, quite a sophisticated but 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 witty outlook on life. You know, so they found everything funny. Yeah, tell me about your first conversations with Andrew and Claire, and why they were just ideal for for Robin and Diane. Well, I mean, you know, Andrew Spider Man is uh, <laughs> you know is. Um, <laughs> Who else are you going to cast as someone to suffer from polio? No, it's like <laughs> the great energy that that man has and the brilliant, I mean, he's a very sensitive actor. He's a fantastically devoted, you know, method actor who really gets into his role. Um, I, I literally wanted to cast him because of his physicality, because he is so agile, because he's so athletic and he's charismatic. And to take all that away from him, to rob him of all of that and have him go through what it must be like to only be able to move your move move from the chin up you know was an extraordinary challenge for him and he spent a lot of time researching the role and talking to to um everybody in, in the family and diana and uh you know and he, he even had um a, a mold of jonathan's teeth uh, made so that he he could speak more like Jonathan. I mean, he's incredibly devoted, um, and he learned to speak with a respirator. And and you know the interesting thing, Robin Cavendish, the the real Robin, um, was very smart. He he hated people finishing his sentences, and and because of the respirator, because you've got a certain amount of breath that's that goes into your lungs, you can only get halfway through a sentence before you're out of breath. So he always used to find this very clever way of, of changing the last word of a sentence so that nobody could fil finish his sentences for him. <laughs> you know, he's, that was a sort of smart, kind of witty thing that, that Rob would do. And, and Andrew kind of just took all that in, you know. He soaked it all up. And, I mean, I just think he's, 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 he's played an incredible role in this. You know, why this time to, to make these two films, so Jungle Book and, 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 and then Breathe? Breathe first. Like, what? Why? What made you just go after working on such such vast films with such amazing filmmakers? Also including Spielberg in there. Uh, why was now like the time when? Okay, 
I'm ready for this. I want to do this. Well, I mean, I've been I've been moving towards directing, as you know, for some time, and and uh, I, I, I adore acting. I love acting, uh, but I also wanted to direct, and um, I was lucky enough to, when working on the Hobbit trilogy for 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 when I was going back to reprise the role of Gollum, Peter Jackson asked me to be his second unit director. So I spent I spent um, you know a huge chunk of time 200 days shooting Peter Jackson's second unit and learned a lot from him and then so I was ready to to take on I mean that was a that was filmmaking on a huge scale and and that was my first experience of directing um but it, but it, it left me with this armory of kind of you know tools to to with which to start shooting something like Jungle Book which again is a big movie but what I love about this film is is the attitude towards you know, smiling in the face of catastrophe. And God, do we ever need films that are life-affirming? I mean, we live in tough times at the moment, and on a daily basis, we are seeing catastrophe around the world. And um, to make a film which celebrates and is a tribute to people who are able to, to come back from something like that and smile with and, and, f and have a, such a beautiful outlook on life i think you know it's it's a, it's a it's a film that's worth making for that reason alone absolutely life the life life affirming aspect in a film is, is yeah. endearing and inspiring yeah uh in terms of editing i mean a lot of filmmakers say that that's really where the where you you're you make your movie so was there in terms of like you know you take your shot for seven weeks was there anything that you know you sort of have to let go for the sake you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, th th there was a lot of material to cover in 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 uh, you know in this shoot, as you can imagine. You're also you know you're traveling through time. You've got actors who are aging. You've got you know you're, you're they're geographically changing. We go from you know from Africa to England to Spain to Germany to all these places. You know, we 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 literally shot hard for seven weeks. <laughs> And, and and you know and then trying to and then trying to give space for the actors to really I mean the chemistry between Andrew and Claire I think is phenomenal and and you know to really create an atmosphere where they could really you know feel like they were this couple that have known each other for that long and 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 love each other in that way um, you know what I'm, I suppose what I'm getting to is that is that is that we we only had a few takes really for each segment for each beat for each scene and and so there wasn't a whole swathe of material that we, we, that hit the cutting room floor because there was no more material <laughs> i mean there was very little extra stuff there were a few scenes there were a few scenes um for instance in the opening we decided to trim back and try and tell the love story the romantic kind of love story of them falling and it was in reality a whirlwind romance um, they literally fell in love with each other on uh, first sight, and 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 within six weeks decided to marry each other. So all that's true. But but we had there we did shoot some extra scenes where you know, the first time they go out and they first kiss in the car and the f and the first ball that they start dancing at and all that. You know we trimmed all that right back because actually where this film really starts is once Robin gets struck with polio and their response to that. So so that that was I suppose one area where what that that we did trim back on. Wow. And what were some of the lessons that you, over the years, and maybe going back to your theater background as well, uh, that you learn from directors that you apply to Jungle Book and Breathe? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been fortunate enough to work with some brilliant, brilliant directors, both in the theater world 
<coughs> excuse me, and, um, and and the film world. You know, Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, Peter Jackson. I mean, you know, these are these are titans of the cinema. And 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 Peter, obviously, I've worked with on many many films, and and he has inspired me perhaps the most. Um, but Matt Reeves too. You know, um, I think Peter Jackson. I learned a lot from in terms of, uh, you know, every single. He used to say to me, every single every single beat, every single shot, you know, when you're doing when you're shooting it, when you're reshooting it, you know, you can make it better every single time. That, that you know, and every single shot has to tell a story. I mean, I remember seeing his film Heavenly Creatures back in the day, which 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 maybe some of you saw, um, an amazing film. But but I, what inspired me about that film was the way Peter. Sh- treated performance and the way that the camera supported the performance, the way a camera moves around the performance, dances with the performance. Uh, that, that I learned from, from him. And, and from Matt, you know, from Matt Reeves who shot the, you know, his brilliant director who worked on all the, the, the last two uh, Planet of the Apes movies, is very, very um, accurate in terms of point of view. The point of view, who's, who you're watching this story th- through the eyes of. And 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 the point of view shifts in this movie from from Robin's to to a shared point of view from Diana and and, and Robin, um, and so you know that was another uh, another inspiration was actually uh, working with Matt. I want to open up to the audience because I know that especially you know a lot of people move down to the front here and have some questions. And since you raise your hand first, you're the big winner. <laughs> you. um, how did Robin and, and Diana make ends meet financially, and how long did Germany take to to turn around and, and uh, introduce those chairs? So, yeah, good question. Uh, so so Robin was was a very you know, he was a tea broker before he, he was struck down with polio, but he was also, he was a, quite a shrewd businessman. And, and th- one of the things that he could do without using any of his body was use his, his business brain. And so, and there's a small scene that depicts in this him uh, trading with, with stocks and shares. So, so he was able with, when Diana, I mean, Diana and he had a finite amount of money when they moved into that house. She'd bought the house and their money was going to dribble away. So he had to find a way of making it work. Um, and so he trade. He began to trade, and he got lucky, and he he, he earned money on on stocks and shares, and um, but it, 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 you know which which gradually, as you see see in the movie, you know they put money into the house and sort of built the house up, and it allowed them to make those trips and so on and so forth. I mean, not huge amounts of money, but money that they they were, they were sort of reasonably comfortably well off. Um, and in terms of Germany, uh, that was they, they they made several trips to Europe. Um, and you know we encapsulated that into one you know one one trip uh, for, for, for the purposes of the movie but um, it was very much uh, that that hospital they go and visit I mean that machinery is absolutely fact you know that that those multiple iron lung chambers were for real and I've, I mean I can I can show you pictures I've got them on my iPhone um, of, 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 of this uh, you know, the point that they were making was, yes, it was highly evolved technology, but these people were having no lives. They were in a waiting room for death, basically, and that's what shocked Robin, and that's what he took into, you know, took into the conference when he went to talk to, uh, to, to to the disabled conference. And if you can imagine what that must have been like in those days, it it would, you know, to to actually go on stage. Must have been like 
John Merrick, the elephant man, walking out on stage and, and appearing to a crowd of people. It's just like they were astonished because nobody had seen someone in his position before that was, that was able to, you know, to, to, to be alive outside of hospital. It was, it was kind of an, uh, just an unimaginable thing. So, um, so that did have a huge impact. I mean, over time, we encapsulate it slightly into, into it makes it feel like it's just one event. But they went to a number of conferences and managed to change public, public opinion and, and, and uh, get more, more funding for their chairs. Because you're in the front row. <laughs> um, at the end there, when uh, the doctor came and he passed away, I wasn't sure exactly what he did because he was still alive. So I, I thought he was going there to pull the plug, but it didn't seem like he pulled the plug. He, he, he didn't go to pull the plug. He went to administer a, a, a drug that would, that, would, uh, that would see Robin off in a, in, in a way that, that gradually um, you know, helps him fade away, basically. Uh, you know what? Let me go right there. Yeah, you. Hi. Uh, I, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for such a beautiful film. I think uh, last year we got a movie called Me Before You that came out that have one perspective on, you know, ending a little bit earlier in life to choose to do that because I, I can't imagine living like that and I haven't had that experience. But to see such vitality and in, in the love between the two and knowing that he's, Robin was worthy of receiving that love in whatever condition and that he was just as lovable as he was before and they're, they're just fire for each other was so moving. I was very genuinely moved the entire time. And um, I was very proud of you for, for making it. And I, I just want to thank you. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. you have a question? Yes, I do. Great. Uh, first of all, sir, uh, really, really, really a big fan since Prestige and Pants of the Apes. Uh, lobbied as many people as possible that Caesar should have had an Oscar nomination. And a Wait, wait, wait. Wait, hang on. Yep. Caesar will get an Oscar. Caesar will get an Oscar. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and a Marvel fan too. <laughs> so everything, you know. Um, but there's a point to what I was trying to say with that. Uh, you seem to pick really amazing projects, really, really cool projects, and to direct a film like this, like that was, I, I agree completely. I was moved the entire mo film. My wife and I were crying the whole time. Um, what? Do you, it may sound like a very general question, but what is it that you, what you, that you really look for in a project? Um, you know, whether it's directing or acting or motion capture, um, what is it that really, really makes you like, excited about a project? It's a, it's a great question. And, 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 and the answer is, it, there has to be something about a project that you choose, because you're going to live with a project for a long period of time, if you're directing, certainly, or if you're acting, you know, you're going to have to invest deeply. It, it, it's always got to affect you emotionally. Whatever project I choose, there's an, an emotional connection to it. You know, whether it's playing Gollum, or Caesar, or Kong, or, you know, any of these characters that may seem like, well, fantasy creatures, but there's something so something profound um, that says something about the human condition that, that, that is relatable to and that I think I can help change the perception of in some way or help the audience or ask questions of an audience um, to, to, to judge this character in a different way to how they might think they might judge it. So, so, it's, so for me, it's always about a, an emotional connection first and foremost and a, and a personal connection and I'm not I'm not alone in this you know everybody I think who gets involved in in movie making really you know 
it, it, it's got to come from something that drives you and that you're passionate about and that you and that touches you in some way because you're going to put yourself on the line with it every single time and that and that's only worth doing if it's something you really believe in yes ma'am um did you discuss with jonathan robin's end of life decision did i discuss with jonathan yes did you did you ever discuss his opinion of what his father did? Oh I, well, I knew John, Jonathan's opinion um, about about his father ending his life. Um, you know, Robin and Diana were fully accepting of it because because they were fully accepting of him choosing to live, and so and so. You know, when you we're terrible in in the West. You know, our attitude towards death is very uh, we're very fearful of it. We, we, it's a huge taboo, and we manage it quite miserably, really. And and, and if there, if you and, you know if you look at the options, if you have a choice between Robin, you know if you look at Robin's choices to to maybe die, choking on his own blood, giving his wife miser, you know making his wife very very miserable, deeply upset, upsetting his son, um, him being taken away in in a, in a very grotesque and you know awful way, or being able to have a party, say goodbye to his friends. Um, have a, a great um, fond farewell with all the people that he loves um, and to sit and gradually drift away there's no choice as far as I'm concerned I mean I know which way I'd like to go and so so this obviously this this is will be divisive and, and it is a controversial subject and many people will, will, will believe their own things and they're everybody's entitled to their own belief but I know for a fact that Jonathan and Diana you know, couldn't have had it better, and they both describe it as one of the most beautiful things that that, they, that has ever happened to them in their lives. Right there, yes. Uh, I also want to echo what's been said, and thank you for bringing this production to us. I am a polio survivor. Wow. Um, I'm also on the Polio Health International Board of Directors, and. Um, <clears throat> I, I, my guess is there are a number of people in this audience who are also polio survivors. Uh, so because the disease in the mid-50s, the vaccine from Salk and Sabin, pretty much in the U.S. has taken out that as a focus of a, uh, a disease that was an epidemic portion, uh, I think uh, um, most of the community, the non- survivors are, sort of have put polio aside. So this film brings it out because there are something like 400,000 Americans suffering from polio or polio survivors. And what I also hope this film does is in addition to bringing the uh, recognition of polio uh, after sort of disappearing for so many years, the uh, knowledge that post-polio syndrome is a significant, for those of us who are survivors, post-polio syndrome is the impact that 30, 40, 50 years later continues to have a impact on our physical lives and emotion as well. Did you have a question? And so, right. <laughs> and my, well, it, it's a statement in terms of, it's more a statement in terms of thanking you because there's no, there's really limited research out there because it's considered to be no longer an issue. And yet in reality, post-polio syndrome 
is a significant issue for almost a half a million Americans that are still battling. And our membership continues to drop considerably simply because we are dying off, right? And there's, so I don't really have a question. It's more a thank you and a recognition of what you are bringing to the fore that I think most are not aware of. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go. One more question. Who's got it? You. Yes. Uh, thank you very much for this meeting. I this really captured my attention. And I'm a movie goer, and, and sometimes I make myself go to sleep because I'm just so bored to death. Um, that it just really resonated with me. Um, people really don't talk about these things. But I'm, I'm just really curious because I'm a mother, and I'm you know always concerned about my son. What is Jonathan doing? Well, Jonathan is a very successful film producer and produced this movie, and he produced this movie and 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 many others, and he's my my business partner and very good friend and 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 the founder of this company that we have. So, so yeah, I mean, he's he's he is you know full filled full with his father's kind of energy and uh, and exuberance and 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 lust for life, you know, and and he grew up. He he says, you know, Jonathan says. It was the happiest childhood, and and the, the he was so inspired by his dad, um, and he he said, you know, he had a captive audience. His dad couldn't go anywhere, so he had his dad with him all the time. You know, what? When do we ever get our dads to be around us all the time? You know, so so he he was truly kind of thankful <laughs> in a way, um, and and uh, yeah. So 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 I mean, I think I think. You know, Jonathan. Jonathan is uh, wanted to make this film as, as not just a tribute to them, but as I say, and, and and for the same reason I wanted to make this movie as a as a as a thank you and a tribute and a, th a sort of honouring people who who are able to. You know, if a hurricane has just smashed your house down and you have to carry on, if you can carry on and and your life. You know, you're, you you manage to smile in the face of that in some way and overcome that and, and live a fulfilled life. That's amazing. And, and, and it's a, you know, we live, as I say, we live in times where people are suffering in so many different ways. And we all know people who are, you know, elderly or and suffering or we know someone who's, who's terminally dying of something or, or, or you know, this film, which, which again, why we wanted to make it was because it's an ultimately very relatable film. Um, there are 43 million carers in, in, in the United States, 43 million carers, caregivers, um, who, who, like Diana, have, have given so much love and, and devotion, and not out of duty, but, but true, true love, to, to, uh, and true love is, is what this film is all about. You know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, and make sure you spread the word about Breathe. Go on social media, go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on Instagram. I don't know if you're still using MySpace. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andy Circus. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Q&A podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Or if you want to watch the video of this recording, head over to our YouTube page where you can find this episode and many more.